You're tuned into the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. Arturo Urenia is a master of capoeira and co-founder of Capoeira Zoara. On this episode, Sam chats to Arturo about his history of the capoeira and his passion for using the art to drive change in his community. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. Arturo Urenia, welcome to the Tokyo Living podcast. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, perhaps if you can give the listeners and viewers a bit of background on yourself, uh, both on your Kapuura uh, background and um, and just your background in Japan. Okay, well, um, I started Kapuera at the age of 17 and basically never looked back, spent some time in Brazil, conversationally fluent, I guess, I read and write also in Portuguese, uh, born and raised Mexican mother in South San Diego, literally right on a stone's throw from the border okay. between San Diego and, and Tijuana, Mexico. So native Spanish speaker also, uh, born in America. So native Americans, uh, native English speaker, sorry. And been in Japan since 1999, where I came to participate in some events, fell in love with what I was doing here and stayed. Awesome, awesome. And um, yeah, many of the listeners and viewers will be familiar with Capoeira, but for those who aren't, what um, what actually is Capoeira? How would you describe it uh, to, to people who are unfamiliar? Yeah, well, like most things, you know, everyone has their take on it. Uh, yeah. Personally, I first would say like, you know, I do have a master's degree in Latin American studies focused on Capoeira. It was oh, wow. like my, my, my study, you know, that's what I focused on. And then I also got a second master's degree here at Waseda on the importation and globalization of Afro-Brazilian popular arts. So what wow. I'm going to say is, is based on my research of what I see as not only a person involved since a very young age on the ground level of the oral traditions, but also on the academic research. Yeah, so sure. we, we all know that, you know, Brazil was received something like 90% of all the slaves, like 80% of all the slaves that went into the new world went to Brazil or through the port of Bahia, which was now, which is now sometimes referred to as the Black Rome. Okay. And with all these cultural manifestations that were brought in to Brazil over, you know, 400 years, basically Capoeira was born from that. Mm. People try to say that Capoeira is from Africa. We have aspects of it, but it's not completely African because as there's nothing exactly like it or even similar in in Africa. So Capoeira was a some people say it's a dance, it's a martial arts. Personally, I think Capoeira is what it is. Capoeira, it's a the tradition of Capoeira cannot be separated into different things. Like it's a martial arts, it's a dance, it's music. It's it all grew together mm-hmm. because of cultural background, right? We don't they don't separate the music from the art. And it makes sense if you've ever done any kind of martial arts or boxing, people can understand that you know you need to build rhythm and flow. Yeah. And yeah. the music has been, you know, from the beginning part of that. Capoeira was outlawed as it was practiced by uh, generally people who were downtrodden or from the lower classes. And finally, in about the 1920s, it became legitimized by Getulio Vargas, the president of Brazil. And today, Capoeira has grown all over the world. It's, it's attempting to become an Olympic sport. Mm. And I guess the closest thing you could think about is that for example, breakdance 
was highly influenced by the Capoeira players in the early 70s in, in New York. Mm. So, for example, head spin, hand spin, all those, all those acrobatical things. Sorry about the background. Give me a second for it to pass. And all those, all those aspects, such as uh, you see in breakdancing, if you look at the the breakdancing shuffle, I personally think it's it's what it looks like when a person starts Capoeira the first day with our basic step called the Jinga. So Capoeira has been influenced by that. And of course, by uh, it's primarily a kicking art. Mm-hmm. Although we do use our heads, our elbows, hands, and people try to, don't generally use it in the Capoeira game because it escalates the violence. But it, it does have a strong martial arts aspect, but it also... A, uh, just a strong cultural and musical aspect. Yeah, awesome. That's a fantastic uh, um, I guess synopsis of the history, and uh, and, and yeah, <laughs> very cool. Uh, so, I guess um, how much of it, I guess, in the early stages was sort of combat influenced? I know when you look at the history of karate um, in Okinawa, the um, the kata that we practiced evolves out of the fact that the people were trying to hide. Um, their practice of combat through um, what is also like a, a bit of a, a dance or a, a routine, and that is how our kata was developed. Um, is it a similar sort of thing with capoeira in that you know people were hiding combat techniques in the form of dance, or was it originally more from the dance uh, perspective that then started to uh, incorporate combat techniques? Or yeah, how, how did it sort of develop in that way? It's, it's a super interesting question because. You know, as we don't have any really written accounts of how the the Capoeira players back in the day practiced the art. Mm. For example, I have a, a good friend who's a longtime master of Capoeira, and he says, we have a, like, I think you guys call it the inside crescent kick, like a, the kick yeah. going inside. Well, we we call that a male Luigi Franchi. And that friend had said the reason it was called that was because, for example, slaves or people would turn up with these half moon shapes from the ankle bruises. Okay. So that would be like, that's why it's called the Mealua. Yeah. But at the same time, um, what we're talking about, Kapura, was also seen in the, practiced in the, in the marketplaces and the slave quarters. And even at that time, you wouldn't really want to be fighting everybody all the time, the people you have to do business with. Yeah. So was it originally a martial art or was it originally hiding the martial arts in the dance or was it dance moves that were, you know, we all have arms and legs, so it can incorporate into that. So it's really difficult to say what it was first. I personally think that capoeira was just a human experience. For example, mm. a person who grows up and, and you know, sees a couple people punching and kicking and they, and they start to develop their own system, yeah, their own way of doing things and trial and error over 400 years, basically, gave us what we have today. Now, today, we have people who focus on capoeira as a martial arts, as we see like in MMA. Yeah. And at the same time, we have people who focus on the cultural or the or the traditional, I don't want to say traditional, but the, the ethnic. Mm. But that's more for like, I guess, like so cultural anthropology and understanding the, like what they want to classify it as. Personally today, um, I was raised with capoeira that when the capoeira game starts, you're ready for any aspect of it. Yeah. I, I, I would say it's similar to like, for example, are you going to do the kata with two people at one time where you don't really hit each other and there's respect and you're, you're showing it? Yeah. Versus where people want to really, you know, get aggressive with it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're raised to do both. I think like any martial arts, because you have to have a balance, I think. Yeah. 
Club 360 is Tokyo's premier health, fitness and rehabilitation center, offering physiotherapy, osteopathy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Moto Azubu and Higashi Azubu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukoen and Yokohama, Club 360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world, ready to take care of your injury and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthier and happier life. Come visit us at club360.jp or follow us at club360rupongi on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. Um, and you mentioned uh, the sports side too, which I think within uh, a lot of martial arts, well, in most martial arts, there is more of the traditional side and then a sporting side. Um, how is uh, how has capoeira evolved as a sport? And you said that you know, there's a push to, towards it being uh, an Olympic sport. And and how, what does a, a capoeira match look like? Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, they're not making contact and it's not actual combat. How How is it scored and... Um, yeah, how is the sport side uh, sort of formulated? It's, it's, I think it's really difficult. For example, um, let's say you have two people doing, in one aspect, you have people who they judge by points. Mm. Like, for example, when you actually hit someone, when you take someone down, a kick versus a punch. There's so many different rules for capoeira around the world right now. One of the big ones being in um, Azerbaijan every year that I see a lot on, on YouTube. A lot of uh, well-known masters go that I know, and they become judges. Also, the one in Brazil that Red Bull has been doing for the last few years, which is also incredible. The, the thing with capoeira, because it's so many different aspects to it, I think it comes down to what we were just talking about. If you're going to have a competition focused on the martial arts, then it's going to be a point-based system. Yeah. Are you going to have uh, one based on kata for example like you know doing a routine versus the the flow and interchange and, and exchange between two players so it's really difficult i think to to do sports capoeira and it's still evolving i think we'll see where that goes within the next five to ten years especially post uh covid mm-hmm. as people want to get back into you know social contact and competition mm-hmm. and and all those things we do see a lot of the the capoeira now being used, like movements and capoeira players in Brazil and outside using it in MMA. Yeah, with 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 different levels of success. I'm not a big a big follower of that, like every day. So, but I do see what friends send me to judge capoeira. The the thing with capoeira because it's also such a cultural aspect of it, like music and singing, and you know the 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 playfulness of it. So I think to become not legitimate, but to become more organized, it's going to have to decide, will it be a martial arts? Will it be, you know, are we going to focus on the point system, on the elegant system? Because I always thought it was difficult to, there were there were tournaments that tried to do, for example, half figure skating type rules and gymnastics and half point system. Mm-hmm. But most of the the early competitions in Brazil, especially a couple that I were was able to attend, or the United States, always ended up being resolved outside with egos. So <laughs> it's it's hard to, you know, really quantify capoeira as it is. So if I do a backflip, is that more valuable versus you doing a, a roundhouse kick? Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So I think it's really difficult, and you got to they're going to have to decide on which level they're going to want to score yeah, yeah. the cop later. But with every time they move away f- towards the 
from Capoeira towards the the sports side, they're also going to lose a lot. I think of the of the cultural and the and the beauty of Capoeira that's dynamic and cultural and musical. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think mm. you know I learned you know when I was in um grad school I took a MBA course in marketing and some people like McDonald's, some people like Burger King and you know, people are always going to go to one camp or the other. Some people are going to be hardcore traditional Okinawa karate kata. And some people are going to be like, hey, how do we put it in MMA? Yeah. I don't think either one is wrong. Just for Capoeira being so eclectic, yeah. it's going to take a, a time for them to really solidify world rules. Because every mm-hmm. group seems to have a little different way of like judging. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Elana Jade is a friendly bilingual beauty salon located in Azubujuba in Tokyo that provides a relaxing haven where guests come to escape the hustle and bustle of city life. All products used in Elana Jade organic skincare lines are delivered by local and internationally trained and experienced therapists. Elana Jade's wide range of deluxe beauty treatments of facial, nails, waxing, massage and eyelash treatments will have you looking your best from head to toe. Receive 20% off your first treatment when mentioning Tokyo Living Podcast when booking. Um, and so when you saw Capoeira for the first time as a 17-year-old, what uh, what got you hooked? It It's just like, I mean, you can see me just lighting up right now. Yeah. I grew up, my mother comes from Veracruz, Mexico, and she was always into dance and she, flamenco, salsa, all, all the all the stereotypical landings and I had grew up I had grown up with that in my house every weekend Saturdays in uh when there was only one Spanish speaking channel in San Diego whoever remembers that has to be my generation because now there's like 5,000 but um Mm. it was like the old uh Mexican lucha libre videos that I used to watch when I was a kid in black and white and then there was always these old like mariachi movies and you know, these movies of salsa and music and my mom would come here dance with me. So from a young age, I really I was very in tune with, you know, by 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 fire and by not having a choice to Latin music. Mm. Then as a child, also, I grew up in um, South San Diego in, you know, in a barrio, which is a kind of a ghetto area of San, know, South San Diego. And um, it was it was rough. So they had classes at the local Y, you know, karate, taekwondo, all the different things. And I always took different things. I was really intrigued by martial arts. And even after I, even after I met Capoeira, I still, you know, practiced the other arts. But slowly but surely, there was an attraction to a Latin American mm-hmm. martial arts. Something that, you know, just hit me on a, on a more... Base level, most people who train Capoeira say there's something different about it. Yeah, and like I said, everybody has their own way of doing things. I know a lot of guys who train kickboxing, karate, and they play hip hop music or reggae music. It's really what you got to find what matches you. But the first time I heard uh, Capoeira music and the an instrument we call the beating bow, which is just very, the roots go back seven thousand years in human history. One of the first instruments. It just hits you on a very primitive and tribal level and i was hooked from the first day yeah because it brought these two aspects of that latin i felt latin swing and and martial arts some two things that i've loved my whole life yeah 
Yeah. And then you, um, by the time you were in university, you had actually decided to um, yeah, try and include that as part of your university studies. Well, it was funny because um, we're, I guess we're, we're a little bit older now. There's a lot of uh, social, cultural dynamic change in the United States over the last 10 years. So mm-hmm. people always ask me, like my kids will ask me in America, is it like this? I go, I go, I go, I go, you know, maybe my daughter, I said, I've been here 20 years. I can't really tell you what it's like. I can tell you what I've heard. Yeah. I'm more qualified to talk about contemporary Japanese culture than contemporary American culture, I feel. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it, it's just the attraction of the art itself. It's just yeah. overwhelmingly dynamic, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't necessarily at that stage you weren't sort of studying um, the the history of Capoeira with, you know, a potential uh, career in, in mind. It was just a, a passion and interest of you. No, of because, I mean, at that time, I mean, I, I can tell some stories here. I'm, I'm a very, like, I think as, so the, uh, about 10 years ago, I graduated as the level we call Meshi Master in Capoeira. And it was a very profound and enlightening experience. So I'm very straightforward with everybody. I know now everybody is very, careful about feelings and this and that. And I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about what I saw and my perceptions. Mm. And I hope people can make their own judges. But for example, when I went to college, I was the first one in my whole neighborhood that I knew went to college. Mm. And at that time, we were brainwashed. You know, oh, you're a minority, go to college. Um, You'll be able to have success, do whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. So being... Mexican American, I was not only intrigued, but I actually started studying um, undergrad was uh, Latino and Hispanic studies and political science. I mm. actually had aspirations for a political career when I was a kid. Mm. But um, that, so I studied a lot of Latin American things and the cop, was always in the background. Mm. And it wasn't until after I graduated and worked a few years that I realized cop is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Even though I had, uh, you know, a degree, you know, several degrees, it's it was my dream. So when I had the opportunity to come to Japan, I did that. Although I did study Latin, Latino and Hispanic studies, it wasn't the career that I was preparing for. Yeah, sure. Came much later in life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then you said it was uh, Capoeira events that initially brought you out to Japan? Yeah, well, so I had finished my... um, I'll take it back. So I didn't get my first master's at San Diego State. I did all but my thesis. I finished all the coursework. And it's back when everybody still used Hotmail. And I thought I could do it over the uh, internet. And then two of my chairs had quit within six months after I left San Diego. And so I had three chairs. And I was just like, okay, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. I'll, I'll submit my thesis. And I never did. So that's why I ended up going back here at Waseda to get my master's. So I'm all the thesis on a Latin American master's degree from San Diego State and a full master's degree here at Waseda. I got invited to come here to to do some shows. I didn't know what I wanted to do after I finished my course study. I wanted to come back to Asia. I was in Korea a couple of years before that. And I thought, you know, wow, what an opportunity. A friend of mine said, you know, there was still that image of the Japanese bubble yeah sure even even way into the late night you know go to japan 
easy, you know, get an English teaching job. It's easy. You'll get a visa. Then you can start teaching capoeira, blah, 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 blah. You, you remember how the whole shtick was, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's what brought me out here. And and I fell in love with, with my students and eventually met my wife. And now I'm here, you know, 20, 22, 23 years later. Yeah. 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 And uh, did you t- start teaching straight away or were you training with a, another group or what did you no, practice? No, like? it's really, it's really interesting. I think this is where it becomes a little bit um, interesting. Um, we all have a take and understanding of anyone who's been long-term in Japan, how, like I said, my master's at Waseda was the importation and globalization of popular Afro-Brazilian arts into Japan. So a lot of research and discussions about how Japan imports. So mm-hmm. I say Japan because I don't want to say people, 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 because I think people are different no matter where you go. Mm-hmm. And um, the first group of capoeira people who came to, to who, who started doing capoeira in Japan, well, I'll say Tokyo, were really break dancers who went to Brazil for special courses, Okay, spent a lot of money, and then came back with like teacher's degrees. Okay. We've seen that with like people who went to to Thailand for one week yoga course, came back and they're a teacher. Okay. I'm I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm saying that's that's the, that's what it was. Anyone, yeah. you're laughing because you've seen that. Yeah. You know, I went to America for an intense physio, you know, therapist course. A week later, I have the same degree as you from some unknown college. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm not going to get into whether what people are doing are right and wrong, but. I came from a more like martial arts and and more profound, I feel Afro-Brazilian cultural experience in Capoeira. Mm. So when I first came here, I get here on the Friday with the intention of like, I'm going to start teaching Capoeira and do some shows. And I got here on the Friday, Monday, I went to go check out this group and it was huge. There was like 60 people in one of those big old uh, Buka Kaikans, a big rental places. And people were doing backflips. And I was like, and I saw the teacher and he had a red belt. And I was like, wait a minute, I know this group. That's a 15-year minimum yeah. belt in Bahia, Brazil. And the guy comes up to me and not really in a humble way. And I tell the story and people say, well, maybe you, he didn't understand. Look, it's not my point to understand how Japanese are doing their thing. This is capoeira. Yeah, there yeah. is basic cultural rules. Yeah. Same as if a foreigner does karate, Japanese expect them to have basic Japanese cultural understanding. Yeah. When when culture, as uh, several writers write, you know, globalization and cultural currency, then people don't understand that they're missing a lot of the, t- the experience and time put in. Yeah, and I started playing with this, this instructor and... Um, accidentally smashed his nose by accident. <laughs> and I look over and I'm like, you know, these guys are all going to jump me because in Brazil, if you you do what, you know, I think they call it dojo arashi, like attack yeah. a dojo. Yeah. <laughs> which I wasn't doing, just the quality wasn't there at the time. And I wasn't that good at the time. Yeah. Just my belt was, I think, right? His belt was here, but his quality was like, yeah. and that did create a lot of animosity towards a lot of the groups here in, in, mm. in the city. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to do my own thing. But I look over and he's sitting there with, with somebody holding a tissue over his nose. Yeah. And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, okay. <laughs> so that was my first weekend experience. And I came to teach Capoeira. So it was actually a little bit disheartening because I thought, wow, it's already massive here. But everybody in Brazil that I knew, no one had 
no one had any idea that it was copyrighted in Japan. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. everything was in Japanese and very connected to their group. So I don't want to say cultural appropriation. I don't want to say um, exploitation. I don't want to say that because I'm no authority on that either. Uh, mm. But there is a base level. I mean, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but they still do blackface here, right? Yeah. So um, anyone who wants to debate cultural anthropology and race relations, you know, I'm I'm always up for it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I don't approve it. Yeah. Because it always comes back to bite you. You can't yeah. say you're an eighth dan, you know, in love with Japan, Japanese culture, come here and can't order a cup of coffee in Japanese. Yeah, yeah. But people won't take you as serious. People who have put in the time. I'm talking about people putting in the time versus not. But that's basically was my first experience. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to teach Capoeira. 100% involved. I was lucky enough to meet a lot of the Brazilian musicians in the artist community here. Okay. They they really influenced me musically. I've put out about five CDs. Wow. And they, uh, it's, a, it's a very tight-knit artistic community so i've been very lucky to be a part of that and it just went from there we grew now mm. i have about kid students about 20 adult students yeah and, and i've solidified my little community here yeah yeah and uh for those watching the uh the video version of this uh you can see um your gym behind you uh, looks like an amazing facility um how long have you had that uh that current location we we started in 2003 okay so we're going on to our 20th year next year. It's been it's been a fantastic experience. A lot of learning, a lot of education uh, and, and, and staying the course. Are you looking for a fun and challenging way to get fit? Why not give boxing a go? Club 360's experienced bilingual boxing coaches can help you discover the many physical and psychological benefits of this amazing sport, all in a friendly and motivating atmosphere. Right now, you can try an initial one-on-one -on -one session completely free. Contact info at club360.jp for more details. And, uh, and what do you think of some of the main sort of benefits uh, of people practicing capoeira? Um, you know, compared to other martial arts or other sports or even um, you know, other arts, music and things like that. Uh, obviously, it's a combination of, of all of those. But um, what do you see as the... The real benefits and what do you see your students really getting out of the practice you know it's it's interesting because no matter what i i talk about kaput i'm always going to hit it from my my strong base as a as a cultural anthropologist trained mm -hmm. you know one of the biggest things that we see here is 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 that capoeira really has an energy that mm -hmm. brazilian mm -hmm. you know we call ashe that energy that key that just exuberant and, and passionate energy. And a lot of the people who come to Capoeira are really attracted to that. The same as the people who go to Samba, mm -hmm. people who go to Salsa, they really like that, you know, yeah. energy that's just amazing. Yeah. And beyond that, Capoeira is really challenging on many different levels. You have to become a percussionist, a singer, an uh, acrobatic person. Uh, you have to become, you know, a fighter a little bit. You can you can gauge as you learn capoeira which ones which ones, yeah. and it's rare to see people who do it all. Mm. It's going to be more the die hard hardcore people, and 
Capoeira, besides flexibility, um, positive energy. Yeah. It, but like anywhere, if you have a good, you know, a good community that creates the positive energy, because like anything, we also have bad apples everywhere. So yeah. um, flexibility, endurance, people mm. will build confidence, especially if they're into acrobatics, because, yeah. you know, I, I've done workshops like next time I'm in, I'll, I'll show you uh, how to do a hand spin. It's pretty mm. easy. And uh, a lot of people are, like I said, are attracted to the cultural, but also to the, I think a lot of people are really attracted to the energy because there's many martial arts in the world. But mm. what attracts people to capoeira is really that, I think that Latin feeling or that Brazilian feeling that we see. Mm. That's very open and friendly, amigo, amigo, friend, friend kind of attitude. So yeah. yes, capoeira can be used as a, a form of self-defense because anyone who's been in a street fight knows that there's no rules or anything. It's basically if you can kick the guy and run, run do it. Mm. Mm. So there is that martial arts aspect. There's the aggressive play that you can do. You can play hard capoeira, try to knock someone out at the end of the day, walk away and not be enemies in a bad yeah. mood. Yeah. Uh, the physical, the flexibility is incredibly demanding. We're always mm. training. And like I've mentioned to you before, you know, I have to constantly be like doing handstands and, and just to maintain my upside down core strength. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of uh, physical demands of capoeira that I don't see in many most martial arts. Mm. Plus, you have to learn the musical, which people really like, also. Yeah, yeah. Do you suffer lower back pain while sitting in the office or during long haul travel? The lumber jacket may be just the solution you're looking for. This revolutionary product features a built-in inflatable and height-adjustable lower back support concealed within a fashionable and comfortable garment. Perfect for work and travel. Visit lumberjacket.com for more details or simply search Lumberjacket on Amazon. And you mentioned community there. Um, I understand you do yeah, quite a lot of uh, community events and, um, uh, and, and and some of that relating back to, to Brazil as well. Um, perhaps if you can just talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, as a, as a, as I can only speak for myself as an American coming here. I'm raised with that. Originally, I thought we were going to make an NPO, just like we do in the United States, and I'd be able to get you know government support. And then I realized when I came to Japan that it doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. So, although I this is my own private like one person business, I do run it as an NPO a lot of the times. Okay. So over the last twenty years, uh, my wife and I sat down a few about it right right during the middle of COVID. And we were just going over all the volunteer, all the the donations, all the parties we made to, to support. We, we supported Kiribati, a very good uh, kids program of education in the northeast of Brazil for many years. Okay. We've donated time, energy, resources, easily over 20 years, over 20 or $30,000 mm. to, to various charities and performances and, and different events. And in value or in actually monetary donations. And a lot of that has come because I've been able to organize the people, my students, past, present, and they'll come for events. For example, I say, okay, we're gonna do this charity event for the kids in Brazil. I'm always surprised how many people are hap happily come out. And a lot of people say, well, you know, Japanese don't really have the culture of charity. 
of, of getting involved in this. And I think uh, for at least for my, my community, I've been able to kind of show them and expose them to that and to the benefits mm. doing that. So we've, we've got a lot, a nice little network mm. of, of people who are involved internationally and locally in, in many of the charity projects I do, for example, helping in the arts projects, donating to um, exhibitions in Brazil, donating to uh, retirement funds for old masters of capoeira in Brazil, yeah. uh, participating in events internationally by donating my time, my flight, my expenses as part of that to raise money for other events and those kind of things. So I'm very into making sure that what Capoeira has given to me, I can also give back to the community. Oh, it's a fantastic story. And um, and it looks like you've got a, a fantastic operation, amazing facility, and um, and, and doing some great things. Uh, if people want to uh, find out a little bit more about you, um, uh, we'll put all your, your links in the show notes. But, um, yeah, do you have a website, socials? Um, and also... Um, are your events that you run, are they open to the public? Do you do sort of performance type events where people can, um, maybe if they don't necessarily want to, uh, uh, not, not willing to sort of jump in and, and uh, try the art, but just have a look at it and see what it looks like for, for those who haven't seen it. Um, are there opportunities for people to do that? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm really into, uh, not, not perfectly, but I really believe in social media. For yep. example, you can go to my Instagram uh, Mestri Sukuri Capoeira, M-E-S-T-R-E-S-U-C-U-R-I-C-A-P-O-E-I-R-A. On Instagram, I'm constantly um, putting up stuff, especially about how my how awesome my kids are, my adult students are. Uh, I record things for the community. I talk about the responsibilities of being a Capoeira master, as I, I'm hoping to elevate that culture even higher. Mm. And I have a YouTube uh, under the same name. Most importantly, we have capoeira.jp, which we've had forever, which is really great because it's so easy to remember. Yes. <laughs> um, during COVID, I felt I was really lucky and blessed, which really also reinvigorated me to, to follow my passion here. Many of my friends internationally lost uh, their schools. Mm-hmm. They lost their classes because, you know, you you remember how hard that was. Yeah. And I went from about 30 kids to about 80 kids now. Wow. And I, I, I kept thinking why. And my wife looks over at me and goes, because you, you're trusted by the community. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what you do, and she said, reminding me of something that I said years ago to her, the difference between me and, and a complainer is I don't complain. I criticize and try to make better. Mm-hmm. That makes me, maybe it makes me stronger and more responsible for my own actions. But I'm, you know, there's a lot of people say, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. Oh, they do this wrong. That does this wrong. I don't do that. I say, look, I don't agree with that. And this is how I'm going to improve it. Yeah. So that's why even if I take a hard stance, my my whole community comes behind me, which I'm blessed with. And uh, it's very important that, that we can, that we as foreigners, especially here in Japan, I feel because this is my, ground zero this is where i am so this is where i'm going to keep working hard until i can't do it anymore i'm very dedicated to what i do so if people want to check out any of our stuff i'm constantly putting it up there one one of the big things post corona also is because we lost a lot of our events 
which helps support the academia. My school is, uh, I started my own t-shirt brand, which I'll be launching next month. And all the proceeds go towards all my community projects. For example, I want to do a localized uh, Brazilian day here or international Latin day for my local community because it's mostly families in this area. Mm. And I want to be able to do more stuff online. I want to be able to produce more music. And my new brand, it's called BOA. And there's a one after that. If you go to Instagram, it's just starting. Give me a month. Okay. I'm about to ramp up and get it ready for Christmas. Yep. So all the proceeds from that go towards uh, what I do. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I remember when I was a kid in America, we used to sell chocolate bars for you know, fundraising. Yeah. Well, now I'm selling, you know, original t-shirts design. Uh, many of my friends or students over 20 years have been artists and they're all donating artwork to me that I have too much right now. Oh, awesome. I've got yeah. some amazing Japanese prints coming up, some really cool uh, Latin inspired, uh, just everything. So mm-hmm. we'll be doing that. I hope people will follow that also. And even if people want to come out and see me, they can see me on Instagram or I put out the events. And everybody is welcome. Nothing makes me more happy than when someone says, I saw you on that podcast. Yeah. And I came to check you out. That yeah. just really makes my day. And people don't understand that to validate people who do things like such as I do, the podcast, just when when people say, Hey, I saw it, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's really an amazing experience. So I recommend anyone who hears this or sees this podcast. If they ever come into, you know, if you're, if I'm lucky enough to meet you, just say hi and say you saw me here and it just makes my day. So you can see us in upcoming events that we're starting to organize now. And you'll see that on Instagram. Awesome. And uh, we, we haven't also mentioned the, the location of your studio. Where, whereabouts uh, are you located? I'm literally between the Ebaramachi station in on the Oimachi line and the Toy Asakusa line, Magome Station. Okay. So we're we're in Magome, but we're like right between the two. It's yep. it's pretty convenient. It's it's like I said, it's a very residential area. Mm. I think that's why from when I originally started teaching, where I had like forty adults, I've gone to like eighty kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, and giving them a really positive and healthy. We'll be having a big event on March fourth which I haven't done in four years because of COVID. I'll be doing my kids and my baby cop way to live performance. We got a local theater. You know, I love Japan about that. They have all these theaters that we can use. And I will be doing that probably on Instagram live. So if people want to tune into that, I'll be promoting that. And you can see what a lot of the kids do and just how amazing they are. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, urge everyone to to check that out and uh, check out your socials. And um, yeah, uh, if you do have a chance to um, to go and uh, uh, visit or watch one of the shows, um, yeah, I think it would be a great experience for everyone. So, uh, Arturo, thank you very much for for coming on the show. Um, it's always thank you great for having. Me. It's fantastic to talk to other sort of martial artists uh, uh, from overseas that have done uh, amazing things out here. And so, um, yeah, we appreciate you sharing your story with us. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. All right. You're welcome. See you. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. 
We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.